0: Hello everyone and welcome to Minute 71 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me today is Eric Deutsch from The Flash Gordon Minute and Escape from New York Minute. Welcome back to the show after two seasons, Eric.
1: Yes, I am excited to be in Nakatomi Plaza.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we're 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 partially we're mostly out of Nakatomi in this in this week. But uh we're, true. we're we're close to it. You know, we're we're in the proximity. You know, just just make sure you don't have any munchies and uh you know things <laughs> things things should work. You know, that that's what I think at least. Who knows? So um minute seventy-one begins with the limo continuing to screech its way uh around the parking lot to try and find a way out and ends with more SWAT guys fanning out. So we ended things on, on Friday with Argo realizing that he's now being trapped in Nakatomi parking lot, Nakatomi Plaza parking lot, and he needs to figure out a way out. So what he does is, the really smart thing, he starts speeding around in the parking lot to try to get out. And you know that that's really going to help you know, I, I like the fact that that, uh, you know, it just screeches along the way. You know, we we heard it on Friday and we hear it today also.
1: How many exits could there be in this parking lot? I mean, it's, it's ultimately it's one giant office building. I mean, we have office buildings that have parking beneath them here in New York City. There's really usually is only one place to get in and out of those type of parking places. Now this is a little more open than being in Manhattan this this building. So, you know, I could see there being more than one, but the way he's frantically driving around, it sure seems to me there's three, four, five entrances almost that he could be trying here.
0: And and how do you even know where those exits are? Think about it that yes, way. I mean, he's yes. this is his first day driving a limo, and if he was driving a taxi beforehand, we don't know whether he was ta- driving a taxi in L.A. or whether he's driving in New York. It doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Wherever he was driving the taxi, taxis generally don't uh, go into parking garages. You know, if he was driving a taxi, he's dropping someone off uh, off uh, out front, and he's not going to offer to stick around. You know, he wants to go get his next uh, fare. Here, he knows that he's able to you know, to, to, to charge Nakatomi as much as possible, you know, for this ride. And that's not a big deal. So, I mean, I I don't know. I I would say there's maybe two exits here. There's the main exit. Maybe there's another exit if you go up, but also we don't know how many levels this is. I'm assuming it's not the, it's not a very deep um, parking garage.
1: I doubt it. Yeah, usually the ones with X tons of levels are above ground. The, the parking garage below ground really are usually what two levels, maybe three at most.
0: Right. But on the other maybe hand, if you think about much. it, but if you think about it, here we have a building with 30 plus stories of offices. They need a lot of parking spaces there. I mean, again, this isn't that New is York. True. This is L.A. It is L.A. In, in is New York, <laughs> they wouldn't expect most of the people coming to the office to have cars. But in L.A., right. they're going to expect it. So who knows? Maybe they have like another parking lot across the street that, you know, that maybe only the executives can park in this parking lot. And then the, everyone else parks across the street or maybe they have a uh, ride and park or something like that or a park and ride. <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't know. It's uh, I, I actually never even thought about it till right now about the fact that that this doesn't look like a very large parking garage. You know, yeah, this I, wasn't I even my notes.
1: this was me just thinking it right now. As yeah, exactly. No, that, <laughs> yeah.
0: that that that's how this works. <laughs> we we do go off the page quite often. <laughs> you know, thank, thankfully our minds are working uh, along with uh, you know all of our computer searching beforehand. You know, so that we, I mean, I would say that this maybe they maybe have two or three levels here. That would that would be my guess about the whole thing. I mean, I was I was also thinking about like at what speed is he driving that limo? You know, in order to frantically try and get out. I mean, obviously, there's no way of really gauging that. But, you know, the, I mean, he, what is this? It's a Lincoln Town Car limo, I think, or something like that. But, you know, also, this, yeah. the screeching, what, do you think the screeching is because it, it needs to have its, its brakes fixed?
1: <laughs> I, I, I think he's just going that fast on hairpin turns trying to desperately get out of that lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably true also yeah no it's just uh you know and and I love how he, he like reaches the 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 exit where the the gate which came down you know like weeks ago when we saw it and there's also you know they have the that that little pole that that uh you know obstructs the the exit that you know if you're if you're a big enough car, it's not really gonna make a difference, which we'll find out later on obviously with the with the limo, but at this point you know those you know just having the uh, the pole go up and down. You know, that's, that's the same type of thing that you usually have at like railroad crossings and stuff like that. You know, I, I think it's more just a reminder that you shouldn't be going as opposed to, you know, we're really here to try and stop you.
1: Yeah, well, especially if it's a, we don't know if this is a pay as you come in or pay as you go out type of lot also potentially.
0: My, my assumption is this isn't a pay lot. This is this is for the employees. So I, I don't think it's a pay lot. And
1: that, that poll shouldn't even be there then. If it's if it's not a paid lot.
0: Probably not. You know? That's that's probably true. I, I didn't even, I didn't think about that from that perspective. That's true. Um I mean if you look at the poll, is there is it you know what? There's like a black box right next to the pole. Maybe it is a pay thing. Wow. I, I, I mean, it that, makes, that me, it makes, makes me, me wonder. Kind of
1: thing you stick a pay card in or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you have to like stick your employee card in there or something like that. Cause, oh, yeah. Because I also think about it from the perspective that you know, this is 34 years ago. Did they really have, you know, you know, was the the technology that advanced? I mean, obviously they don't have what we have now, where it can read your license plate and stuff like that. But you know, it's still you, know, you still could use a card. But there there is a black box there which I, I think you're right. But the truth is that Black Box is on the wrong side, unless this is um, the entrance.
1: Right, right. I mean, right, he's, maybe he's, he's so desperate to get out. He might, who knows if he's at an entrance or exit lane right now anyway. He's just trying to find a way out.
0: That's true. That that would definitely be an, an entrance because of the side that it's on. Because like right now, it would be on the passenger side. So it has to be that someone's yes, coming in. Wait, and, and And the limo moves too fast. For us to be able to see if there's something on the other side. Yep. You know, to let you out. Yeah, and no, I can't even when scrubbing back and forth, I can't I can't see it is too blurry.
1: Also, to your point about how we don't know what the technology was back in the mid eighties for this parking, but remember, this is an advanced new building. I mean, we've got touch screens that allow you to know where to go to see the person in the office you're visiting, which of course back then was a huge deal. <laughs>
0: and to find your zipper. Yes. <laughs> So that, that that is true. You're you're right. And and there's also the idea that you know the, in order to lock the front door, they have that that you know the the key card, to lock right. the front door. That also says something about the technology that they had then. Wow. Okay. Hmm. The technological advances of the Nakatomi Corporation, which we still have absolutely no idea what they do, <laughs> besides <laughs> besides launder uh, bear bonds. You know that. that <laughs> so. Don't so know. And then we get a shot of, of Argyle in the in, in the limo, and he he looks behind him in order to back up. Now he actually sticks his head out of the window in order to back up. Have you ever backed up by sticking your head out the window, as opposed no. to just using? <laughs> you know, I I that that that's what the rearview mirrors are for. Yeah. I mean, I I'm I'm a firm believer of using. You know, all three mirrors when, when I'm uh, backing up or whatever. And when, and when, when my uh, you know, 18-year-old son was learning to drive, I taught him to do it that way also. And whenever he would try and use the, 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 the camera, you know, in, in the car, I would always uh, cover it up, you know, because I want him to, to know how to do it, because I, want I wanted him to learn how to do it if I he like doesn't that. have a camera.
1: I'm taking that for when I have to teach my kids to drive.
0: Yeah, well, like... it makes sense. There's certain things you need to know how to do without technology. Yeah. I'm not saying that technology is bad. The technology is, is great. It's great that you have that, that you can look back and see it and that it beeps and all those things. But what if you're in a car that doesn't have that or it doesn't work mm-hmm. or whatever the case is, you want to be able to, 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 to back up without it. You know, so uh, there, there you go. A tip for everyone uh, who, who is, is teaching their children how to uh, drive. <laughs> Who would have thought you'd get that on the on the die hard uh, minute <laughs> by minute uh, podcast so it it's just great watching the way that he's uh, driving and then then we we get a shot of a whole bunch of the the SWAT guys who start to begin their assault, and we can actually count uh, twelve members now the funniest thing is is that a lot of these guys look like they're really out of shape you know <laughs> they they do not look like they are you know, the fittest of the fit. To be, uh, you know, running up this this small little hill. So uh, I don't know. It's just it's just pretty funny looking at them as they they go through. There's like one guy who really looks like he's huffing and puffing along the way.
1: <laughs> well, it is nighttime. Who knows? You know, there's second shifters, maybe.
0: It could be. It could be. Now, did you see the 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 sign that that's on like I don't even know what it is, and um, maybe just a construction beam as they're running by it 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 says not hiring which doesn't make any sense to have that in the middle of this this area that they've decided to you know to the staging area you know the staging area is is i guess part of like where the the construction uh all the construction units were are kept and stuff like that because you know the building is under construction, but why would they have a sign there saying not hiring is that maybe? You think that's maybe like the, the front office or something like that in this way to stop people from trying to come in?
1: Well, I uh, I used to be in uh, – I wasn't a construction worker, but I spent a few years working in the construction industry, and there were some times that people would literally just come off the street and go to the construction office and say, do you guys have any jobs? So they could conceivably have that as a way of saying, you know, you can't just walk off the street and get a construction job on this project.
0: No. Nah. Okay. See, I just think it's very funny because of the fact that, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned that some of these guys look like they're they're pretty much out of shape. So maybe they're trying to tell them, okay, we don't want you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as we scrubble as we move a little forward further, actually, I see we, we are we can answer our own question. There is a Nakatomi Plaza parking sign that mentions the charge of parking there. So you do have to pay to park there.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't notice that.
1: At second uh, 18, if you pause it, a dollar for a quarter hour and $10 uh, maximum charge, I think it says.
0: There you go. I guess you can park there. And then you have van access maximum on... Hmm. Ah, okay. Maximum height is, is six six feet, eight inches. And for van access, you need to go to the Avenue of the Stars. Yep. Oh, that's really interesting. Wow. And w- the truth is, if you look at it, the, the 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 plaque that says Nakatomi Plaza parking on it is a different shade of gray than the rest of it. So maybe they just tacked that on to the, you know, to to the Century City. Yeah, maybe it maybe it originally seen, yeah. said Century City parking, and yeah. they tacked it on to to change that. Wow, and I, I didn't even pay attention to that. I wrote down that it was a hundred and, and I wrote down one hundred and one thousand and a thousand. I didn't I didn't notice the fact that it was uh, the charging for it. So there you go. Yes, you are correct. Now, what's even more interesting is: does that mean that um, that Argyle can see the SWAT guys and the SWAT guys can see Argyle now?
1: Well, if there are multiple exits, he. <laughs> I guess would have had to have been either either he's at a different exit than the one we're looking at now. Right. Or these two things didn't happen at exactly the same exact time. Um right. while everything's going on. Because right, otherwise they would have seen him, he would have seen them.
0: Right, and he had his lights on. It's not as if he's Yeah, and he had uh, his lights
1: on. They certainly would have seen him.
0: Right. And you can actually see there are some cars parked here. Yep. And I think most of the time when Argyle is driving, you don't see any cars. Right. So I think that actually, uh, I, I think that answers our question. <laughs> so the, the, the SWAT team begins their, their assault and, you know, one one of the guys even looks like he's wheezing a little bit as he's, <laughs> as he's running, running along. And then, then we get the shot that, that one of the shots that you requested this week for, and that, that's where we, we get the, uh, the, the, Black SWAT SWAT uh, team member, okay, running through the the rose garden, and he starts screaming out, "Jesus!" Because he <laughs> this got is
1: so great. Pricked. This is just so great.
0: Yes, he gets. <laughs> I
1: love this moment.
0: <laughs> he gets pricked by the by the the thorns in the ro- rose rosebush. I mean, I've I've always loved this this moment also because to me it's the the idea that here you have the SWAT team. These are supposed to be you know the 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 men of the men you know the, the 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 top of the crop you know of of you know the the of of the police department you know and you have this guy these guys running through a rose garden and Complaining about getting caught, getting pricked by the uh, thorns. Yeah, there's, there's,
1: you know, they're they're assaulting. They're they're on an assault. It should be nerves of steel, fully focused on, you know, the next step ahead. And it's, oh, ah, oh, that thorn. Ooh, it's it's such a great uh, um, deconstruction of the movie trope of, you know, the hard, you know, edged SWAT teams who go in. You know, it's it's just so great. And I, I wonder if that was ad libbed by the actor. Or it was just an accident, or if, or if that was planned, because it, it's just it's such a great moment.
0: Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, I, that's a great question. I, I will never know the answer to it unless one of us can try and find out who this actor is. Maybe <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's listening. If you're listening, uh, extra <laughs> SWAT guy, extra who's probably a stuntman on his own. You know, let us know. You know, we'd, we'd love to know if there there really is. Uh, You know if if you really got pricked by the by the thorns or not, (laughs) and if you were told to do it. So what what do you know about uh, rose bushes?
1: Um, almost nothing. I know roses are what I buy my wife uh, when she likes flowers, and I know that there's thorns on them. I believe in the house I grew up in, I think we had a rose bush, or. Well, let me rephrase that. We had something with thorns on it in the backyard of my house that I grew up. I'm not sure if they were roses or not.
0: Okay. That's fair. So the the the, the oldest remains of roses that they know about are from the late Eocene fluorescent formation and they they claim that, that there were roses in Europe even during the early oligog- uh, Oligocene, okay, which is The time period that extends back 33.9 million to 23 million years uh, ago. So uh, there have been roses around for a very long time. Not bad. Yeah. Now, most of the roses that we know about these days, the garden roses, come from 18th century China. Okay. And the old blush group is considered the most primitive and uh, the newer groups are more diverse. I have absolutely no idea what I just said because I know nothing about, about flowers. I don't know enough about flowers to be able to tell you what that means. But there are, how many different species of roses do you think there are nowadays? What would be your guess?
1: Before I answer that, I just want to say how fascinating it is that there could be a flower that's considered more primitive. That, that's fascinating to me. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the fact that you're asking me means it's probably a very high number. So I'm going to go with 215.
0: All right, so the, the answer is, is anywhere between 140 and 180. Oh. So you, you, you're you a little high there, but uh, a little that's, high. that's still pretty good. You know, still, still uh, uh, you know, 180 and 215, uh, you know, considering the the, the the span of years, you know, it is possible that, that uh, it would be even a little bit higher. So, yeah. Now, I, I couldn't find... About the the idea about why you know how they got thorns and stuff like that. So if anyone knows, let us know because
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I couldn't figure it out. Uh, obviously, this SWAT guy could. You know he, he <laughs> and and the funny thing is he doesn't just get pricked by one. He gets pricked by two. You know he first gets <laughs> pricked on his leg and then he starts complaining about that. And a, a second later, he gets his, he gets pricked on his hand and you know looks at he. He looks as if he's about to take his gun and start shooting into the roses in order to <laughs> try to stop but him. It's
1: almost like, and not only that, but it's almost like he's looking back at the soldier behind him sort of like for sympathy, almost like, hey, did you see what just happened to me? You know, That's not cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, ah, you're right. He's, you get like that fraction of a second where he has a, takes a double take and, and looks at the guy behind him.
1: Yeah, or like, you know, he's embarrassed and he hopes he didn't see that he got caught on the thorn.
0: <laughs> uh, that could be awesome. Yeah. And then the, the shot changes, and we get uh, Eddie and Uli uh, in the lobby. They 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 both come from uh, two different sides. And they basically—Eddie throws Uli some uh, a magazine, and Uli catches it. And you can see the, the portocles—one of the portocles is behind them that apparently came down, uh, you know, turned on the the security.
1: Yeah. And I want to say about, uh, about him throwing the thing to them. I mean, they're only about two steps apart. He could just take two steps and hand it to him, but it's obviously much cooler looking to have him throw it to him while they're moving.
0: Yeah. It's much cooler, but there's also the, the aspect that you know, here they're in a rush. Yeah. You know, like, and, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, Eddie throws Uli something and then Uli throws something back. As if they're playing catch. You know, here, take that. There you go. Grab that. And then Eddie goes off to the left. We don't see what he's doing. But Uli comes towards the screen. He's walking towards the right. He puts a, a clip in his gun. And then he uh, stands behind uh, what looks like a uh, candy counter. Right? And, you know, maybe it's a snack counter. Of and I always thought it was just a snack counter, counter. I never never thought about it beforehand. But while doing this, I noticed that, that there, there's, like, newspapers behind him. And stuff like that. This is like the newsstand. I never thought about where he's doing this.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of office buildings in the lobby. will have yeah. uh, a little exactly newsstand. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah. But yeah. I never thought about it. I've seen this movie literally hundreds of times, and I've never thought about the fact that there are newspapers there. I obviously I've yeah. seen all of the different uh, things that we're, we're about to be talking about, but you know, and I also never noticed that there was a, a payphone behind him also, which seems very much out of place there.
1: It's not a good location because if you have to talk on that phone, you're basically getting in the way of the person that's going to be working that counter and anyone that's trying to get in there to get a newspaper.
0: Correct. Correct. So I, I don't know why they would put that there. You know, I don't, I don't know who would try and call, like maybe it's a, a black courtesy phone, you know, paging Mr. Takagi. No, I know. No, no. Yeah, that's definitely a pay phone um a very strange place and then we we can see the the row of of goodies that are sitting inside of this uh candy counter all right so i i was able to count uh eight different things here okay
1: i got uh i got 10
0: ooh all right yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm we'll definitely that, that's great so we'll, we'll we'll go one by one we'll go uh, right to left so uh we'll start with raisinets, right? So what do, what do you know about raisinets? Do you know when they I, were...
1: I I like raisins, but I don't like raisinets. But then again, I'm not a big chocolate guy, so.
0: Okay. Did did you um are you familiar with um with with raisin I mean, have you had raisinets?
1: I at some point in my life I definitely tried them cuz I I I feel like I know what they taste like and I know I did not like them.
0: Mm okay that's fair i mean i'm I'm also not a chocolate person uh, I, I people think that, that there's something wrong with me that I don't like chocolate yeah,
1: I get the same thing
0: yeah. um, and I, I really don't like chocolate i there's very few chocolate things that that I even enjoy and most of the time it just uh, disgusts me, which again doesn't people don't understand what's wrong with me when it comes to that but basically the so raisinettes were Created in 1927 by uh, the Blumenthal Chocolate Company. Okay, which uh, uh, basically what it is is milk chocolate covered uh, raisins, right? So, in do you you know what it's called in Australia? I do not. They're called sultanas instead of raisins. I don't know why. I, I don't know what a sultana is. I wasn't able to figure that out, but uh, that's what they were called. Now, the the company that that, that currently owns uh, the rights to Raisinets, which is uh, called uh, Ferrara. Okay, at a certain point, it was also a Nestle. That was part of it. They they also offered at some point uh, chocolate covered dried cranberries and dried cherries, but those those didn't really work very well. So they uh, they they didn't continue those.
1: Yeah, I know chocolate covered cherries are very popular, but usually it's the kind that has like that kind of fluid in there with them. They're not yeah. usually dried, but the popular kind.
0: Right. Exactly. So you have the chocolate covered peanut, and basically, uh, quite often you, you also find chocolate covered almonds, chocolate covered macadamia nuts, and uh, you know sometimes they would put together chocolate covered peanuts and raisins, you know, in the same packet in order to. I guess you could say mix and match, that type of thing. So that, that, that's, that's what we have for Raisin The next thing is uh, Planters uh, Peanuts. So what, what, do, what do you know about the Planters Peanuts uh, company?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Planters Peanuts. I've been eating them my whole life. Uh, I once met Mr. Peanut. I have a picture of myself with Mr. Peanut.
0: Oh, that's very nice. Was, was yeah. he very old at the time?
1: <laughs> he, he had his cane and he had his hat on. He was very distinct. And his monocle, right? Yes.
0: <laughs> when do you think Mr. Peanut was was created? You know, the icon. Uh,
1: that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm. I'll say the 50s. He seems like a 50s guy.
0: It was created in 1916. They had a contest. Wow. Yeah. They had a contest and a kid named Antonio Gentile or Gentile, uh won the contest by creating the Mr. Peanut and eventually it was modified by a commercial artist. And uh, obviously they've changed it a little bit over the years. It's not the exact same uh, type of person or caricature as it was uh, in the beginning, but that that has changed. So in planters itself, the, the company planters was founded by a, an Italian immigrant named Amidio Obisi in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, right? He originally was a bellhop and a fruit stand vendor in Scranton and then he moved moved to to Wilkes Bar to open his own uh, company and he decided to invest in a peanut roaster and within just a few years, he started by using a horse and wagon. He would uh, sell roasted peanuts and he became known as the peanut specialist and then in 1906, he partnered with a another Italian American named Mario Peruzzi and the two of them uh, decided that they would find a way of blanching whole roasted peanuts. And by, by, by doing away with the troublesome holes and skins. And they, they started a little company with six employees, two large roasters and uh, very crude mach- machinery. And within uh, a few years, they, they had this really, really wealthy company. They eventually moved it in 1913 to Suffolk, Virginia, which is the peanut capital of the world, hmm. which I did not know that. And uh, I guess you could say the, the rest is history from, from that perspective. It was In 1960, it was acquired by a company called Standard Brands. In 1981, Standard Brands merged with Nabisco. And then in 2000, Nabisco was bought up by Kraft Foods. And then in 2015, uh, Kraft and Heinz uh, merged. So it became the Kraft Heinz company in 2015. And then in 2021, they uh, announced that they were going to be selling their, their, their company. Uh, they would be selling planters to a company called Hormel for $3.35 billion which uh, this, this transaction was completed uh, in June of 2021. Now, what, do you know any of the advertising taglines for, for Planter's Peanuts over the years?
1: You'd think I would since I've been eating them for so long. Um,
0: Not necessarily.
1: I guess, yeah, I guess I don't have to pay attention to their commercials because I know I like them.
0: Exactly. There's no reason to, to have to do it. So in the 1930s yeah. and 40s, it was known as the Nickel Lunch. In the 1950s, it became known as, it was planters is the word for good. Okay. In the 1970s, it became America is nuts for planters. In 1990s, everybody loves a nut. See, I always thinking, it was, wasn't there sometimes you feel like a nut, that was for something else. That was that's Mounds um, that and Almond Joy. Right. Uh, because yeah, yeah. Almond Joy has nuts and mounds don't. Right, that's exactly. The song. That's right,
1: that's right. <laughs> right. And then 1990.
0: Uh, Two, Peanut Butter with a Crunch. 1997, Relax, Go Nuts. 2003, Put Out the Good Stuff. 2007, Instinctively Good. 2011, Naturally Remarkable. 2016, Deliciously Nutritious. Okay, that one's a little too much. Uh, (laughs) Then after that, Harness the Power of the Peanut, A Nut Above, Become One with the Nut, It's Nuts How Good They Are, and The Power is a Peanut. So, see, I remember eating peanuts. I don't know if they were planters, but I remember uh, as a kid, my my grandfather would always take us to. I grew up in New Jersey, and we always went to Asbury Park. And I remember on the boardwalk in Asbury Park, he would always buy us roasted peanuts. Uh, and I remember seeing the 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 you know Mister Peanut, but mm-hmm. that could just be a planted memory. You know, I, I went to recall, and they implanted uh, these you know these memories. <laughs> Of, uh, you know, Mr. Peanut. I don't know. No idea if that's a real memory or not from that perspective. I mean, I really did go to the Asbury Park and I did have peanuts. But whether they were planters or not, uh, that I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so the, the the next thing in line is uh, the Hershey Hershey's uh, Milk Chocolate Bars. Now, you can actually see the word almonds on it. Okay. So, but, but right now we'll talk about both. Okay. So do do you know when the Hershey Bar was created?
1: This has got to be an old one. Hershey's been around a long time. I'm going to say that this goes back to the 1800s. I'll go 1880s.
0: Okay. So the creator of the company Hershey's was named Milton Hershey. And he started the company in 1886. And it was known as... No. Hold on Ah. a second there. (laughs) It was known as the Lancaster Caramel Company. Okay. It was a confectionery business, which means he was selling candy. Right. Right. And then in 1893, he saw at the World's World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, he saw German chocolate manufacturing machinery. And he decided that he wanted to go into the chocolate making business. So he bought himself a machine. And in 1894, he then uh, founded the Hershey Chocolate Company. All right. So the Hershey bar only began mass production, in 1899. So you were close. Hmm. You you definitely, I mean, I, I give you credit for, uh, for being very, very close with this. All right. Yeah. And one
1: decade off. Come
0: on. That, that's right. No, but also you did get the 1880s with when True. he started his company. So you're, you're close there from that perspective. All right. So basically you have the, 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 the two main kinds of Hershey bars, the, the milk chocolate bar and the milk chocolate bar with almonds. Now, I mentioned earlier that I personally do not like chocolate, but as a kid, I, I always would still eat the milk chocolate bar with almonds. I actually tried one not long ago, a few, maybe a few years ago, and it really disgusted me. It was too much, too much chocolate. <laughs> it was too much chocolate. I don't understand how I was a kid. Maybe they had more almonds in it as a, when I was a kid. I don't know. You know, so the, the, the milk chocolate bar, uh, as I said, came out in, in 1899. And the one with the almonds, they started producing in 1908. So just – and, and they're, they're still both going very strong over the years. So then we move on to the next box, which is Nestle Crunch. Do you know anything about the Nestle Crunch? Uh,
1: when I was a kid and I actually did eat chocolate. Nestle Crunch was one of my favorites. Uh, once I became an adult and I lost my interest in chocolate, obviously I stopped eating that. But uh, yeah, this this was one that I ate a lot as a kid.
0: Right. Okay. I've I've also eaten a few uh, Nestle Nestle Crunch bars as a kid because I, I it's basically it's milk chocolate with crispy crisp, crisp rice. So it's basically right. rice, rice Krispies with uh with with milk chocolate around them. And uh, so, when do you think the Nestle Crunch bar was first uh, introduced?
1: so Nestle as a company I'm sure has been around a long time. Uh the Nestle Crunch Bar. I will put this uh let's go the nineteen twenties.
0: Nineteen thirty-eight. Ah, I yeah. keep being
1: off by one decade. Okay,
0: but that that's still pretty good. You're, you're you're you know you're not you're not hundreds of years off. That's true. You know, so uh so basically, what what uh, they have there it's, it was in in England they started calling it the daily the Dairy Crunch, and then uh, in the 1990s they decided to uh, rebrand rebrand it as a Nestle Crunch, so that it's the same thing that that everyone else gets. They uh, in in 2013 they announced that they would start using 100 percent certified cocoa beans. Which 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 makes me wonder what they were using beforehand, if if they're announcing that now they're going to use 100 percent, you know, uh, yeah. And uh, it was uh, in in 2018 they actually uh, announced that they were selling their American rights to everything to uh, Ferrero SPA, which is what we we mentioned earlier. With uh, the Raisinettes, you know, that, that Ferrero was, uh, they mm-hmm. they sold it for $6.9 billion. And therefore, and
1: candy. yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> and Ferraro then turned everything into, you know, into, into their own brands. You know, they just added, instead of it being Nestle, it's now Ferraro candy, you know. Um, and basically the sale was rumored to be because of the low growth in the mainstream chocolate market due to newer competitors such as Kinder and the increased variety of snacks, making it challenging for mainstream chocolate bars like the Crunch. And uh, what they basically sold to Ferraro were the Crunch bar, the Butterfinger, Nerds, Laffy Taffy. They used to sell them uh, wrapped in a bar of aluminum foil. Uh, that I remember also, and we'll, we'll get to see yeah, that, in a, that. We'll get to see that in a few minutes also. And instead of using paper, uh, but they uh, uh, they basically changed it, and now uh, it it they have polyester film on them instead. So that that's with the Crunch Bar. So let's move on to the next one. We have the Mars Bar. What do you know about Mars Bars?
1: Uh, I've never eaten a Mars bar. Uh, The company itself is called Mars to the best of my – or at least was at some point to the best of my knowledge. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I don't know what is in it at all. Uh, As far as guessing when the Mars bar would have been created, because it's the name of the company, it means it probably was one of their first, if not their first bar. So let's go the 19-teens for that one.
0: Okay. So in 1932, the Mars Incorporated Company – in England was created by a man in Slow England, S L O U G H. Uh it was created by a man named Forrest Mars Sr. And the uh, Mars Bar is is a chocolate bar consisting of caramel and nougat covered with milk chocolate. It took a very long time till it actually made it to America. And they uh you know, they actually stopped making an American version of it in 2002, and then they they changed it and started calling it Snickers Almond. Hmm. So yeah, that that that's the Mars bar. So now, okay, the the last three that that I can see, okay, are, are all about uh, gum. So right. what are the what are the other two that you apparently can were able to make out that I couldn't figure out what they were.
1: So behind the gum, there are two boxes.
0: Yes. Um,
1: the one on the far left, I'm 99% sure, is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Uh, I'm basing that on the color of the box. Uh, and also, it looks like you can, once the camera zooms in, I, you can see the beginning of the word peanut. It looks like P, you can see the P-E. Uh, and underneath it, maybe you can see the beginning of the word, like B-U-T for butter. Uh, and since Reese's is, is like one of the few types of chocolate I like, I'm I'm fairly confident that that is either a knockoff or Reese's peanut butter cups itself. Um, next to that is a box that's got like a red red and white stripes on it. Um, it looks like it says something chewables. I couldn't quite make anything else out, but it's clear. But you know, uh, maybe some kind of like chewy type of like a Charleston Chew type of thing or something like that.
0: Oh wow. Okay, no. So the other one I, I can't figure out. But uh, about the Reese's peanut butter cups, I, I I think you you may be right there. It could be that might be Reese's Pieces. Could know. be Reese's Pieces. Yep. Right. So, uh, when do you think Reese's peanut butter cups were 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 created?
1: Oh, see, I should know this because everyone who knows me knows this is like the one kind of chocolate I like. Uh, Let's see. Uh, boy, lately everything's been in the 30s, huh? So let's just let's go back to the 1930s again.
0: All right. Very close to 1928. Ah. November 15th, 1928 by H.B. Reese, who was a former dairy farmer and was a shipping foreman for Milton Hershey. He left his job at Hershey to start his own candy business. Hmm. Okay, Um, and Reese's is now part of Hershey's, so it actually makes more than $2 billion in annual sales for the Hershey company. Wow, and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the number one on the list of top-selling candy brands.
1: I think I'm responsible for about a third of that.
0: Uh, That's pretty impressive. You seem to be like, yeah, you know, I, I still remember all the commercials with the, you know, your, 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 your chocolate is in my peanut butter and your peanut butter right. is in my chocolate. Sure. You know, those things. So, yeah, that, that, that really works. Um, yeah. So, I've, so we got nine out of 10. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, okay. So now we're, we're left with three, three left that are, that are three different types of gum. Um, all three of them are from the Wrigley company. I remember them very well from from growing up in the '80s. That we would have all three of these. Do, do, I, I don't know if they, I'm assuming they still make all three of them. They're, I don't think they're as popular as they were back then, for some reason. I, I could be wrong. But uh, so the first one you get is the green one, which is double mint. Okay. Do you know what uh, what what the flavor of double mint is?
1: Isn't it spearmint type of gut right? Spearmint flavor.
0: Peppermint peppermint okay right it is called double strength peppermint flavored and what year do you think that they uh, launched the uh, advertising campaign <laughs> for mint when they started it when they started making it
1: uh, now I'm wondering if you're uh, if there's a pun there that you focused on the word doublemint there uh, so something double uh, 1900 because there's a double zero in it
0: no, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean <laughs> I that at know. all. So 1914, 1914. Uh, right. But but again. I mean, what they did with 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 their advertising over the years was they would have identical twins.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, beginning in 1939, they they started having advertisements with with different twins. I again, I remember in the 80s, lots of commercials for for mint gum with uh, with groups of teens uh, of of teenage twins. You know all together and stuff like that um, I mean I found a list of all the different main models they used, but I don't think it makes a difference the only the only one that I found of any interest was that uh, two of them from the 1980s were Jean and Elizabeth Segal who were the sisters of Katie Segal from Married with Children and they actually tried making their own sitcom called Double Trouble. In 1984, which I, I think I actually even remember that that to come. Uh, I don't remember much about it, uh, but it, it didn't really work very well. Uh, along and the, the way, the
1: doublemint ad campaign was big enough that it got a reference
0: in Spaceballs. That is correct. That is correct. They they had uh, um, Denise and Diane Gallup, who spoofed those roles in. Uh, in the Mel Brooks film uh, Spaceballs, you are correct. So then we move on to the the yellow gum known as Juicy Fruit. Now I I'm, I'm I I want to go back to Double Mint. I remember all of those commercials, and I know that all three of these brands had like had songs to them. I can't remember the 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 song for Doublemint. You know, I remember it was Double Your Pleasure with double Gum. That I, that right. that slogan yes. I remember, but I don't remember the song itself. I'll have to, have to look it up and I'll uh, you know put it I'll I'll, I'll uh, you know put it in in the uh, in the group so that people can see it. You know, once I uh, you know when this f when you're listening to this episode, you should see those already also. So the the next one is uh, the yellow one, which is Juicy Fruit. Which again, I also remember the song really really well. It, it's oh, like yes. stuck in my head. Uh, Grab
1: your boogie board, and take a stick of juicy fruit. Taste is gonna move ya. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. And uh, so, what year do you think that one was uh, was was created? If we so, probably came after. So, if we said we said the so. doublemint was 1914.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say juicy fruit came after that, so I'll go 1920.
0: Mm, well, you would be wrong. It was actually much before. It was in 1893. Wow. Oh, wow. Right. And apparently in uh, – th- they say that 99% of Americans are familiar with the, with, with the name brand of Juicy Fruit and that in 2002, they sold 153 million units of mm. Juicy Fruit uh, gum. Now, do you know what the flavor is? I should because I'm not
1: a, I am not—I haven't been a gum chewer since, in a many, many, many years. But when I was, Juicy Fruit was the gum that I chewed uh, for the most part. And it was just sort of like fruit punchy kind of to me. I don't know. I could never like identify the specific fruit, though.
0: Yeah, and I, I had the same, same same issue. I mean, as a kid, I, I loved both Juicy Fruit and uh, Double Mint. Those are the two that I would always uh, – I remember also – You'd have, like, the, the the long pieces of gum, and they would, like, uh, fold up as you put them into your mouth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, that type of thing. And so the the uh, they claim that it is a mixture of banana and pineapple. Hmm. And some people say— Which is that,
1: funny, because I don't like bananas or pineapples. There you go. I love that gum. And there That's you go. fascinating. Yeah.
0: And they say that it resembles something known as jackfruit, which I don't know what that really is. I don't know what that is either. And there, there are rumors that that uh, that peach is also a crucial flavor that they have in there. Meaning, meaning that they basically throw in a whole bunch of different uh you know yeah. artificial <laughs> artificial uh, fruit flavors into this. And then the uh the the final one that we get here is big red. Okay. Now big red, I don't remember chewing big red as as a kid, but I definitely remember the commercials. You know, because the whole idea of the commercials of Big Red. Oh, okay. First of all, do you know what flavor uh, Big Red is?
1: It's cinnamon, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. And do you know when it was introduced? Uh eh, nineteen twenty-four. Nineteen seventy-five. <laughs> <What>? Wow. No. <laughs> yeah. Kid. Seriously. That's
1: my birth year. All right, I'm, I'm just as old as Big Red. There
0: you go. I'm, I'm one year older. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically the the commercials that they would have in there. Okay, the, that they, they used this jingle from 1977 to 1998. When I was doing research for this, I kept thinking of the song. I would never thought about it. I haven't thought about it in years. And most of the commercials depicted couples passionately kissing in a romantic setting for an unusually long time, always including one kisser who then uh, must chase his departing ride. You know, like people have to, uh, to run after the train or something like that. I remember <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, uh, kiss a little longer. Right. Uh, you know, because the whole idea is that the, the flavor lasts longer and stuff like that. So I'll 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 definitely find uh, some of those commercials also and put them up because those those are very nostalgic for me to think about at this point. Do you know in the movie Talladega Nights, the ballad of R- Ricky Bobby? So they, they had uh, Ricky Bobby, you know, played by Will Farrell. He did a commercial for Big Red and he basically said, I'm Ricky Bobby. If you don't shoot big red, then fuck you. <laughs> that that's basically all the different things that, that we found in this uh cabinet of candy that uh that are in front of Uli. So now he stands there, he puts his gun down on the snack counter, and I love the, the look on his face because he takes out like six magazines from uh, you know of, of of ammunition, he locks and loads his gun. And then we see him like look down at the candy display before him, uh, below him. And then he looks up, and then he looks down again, and then he looks to the right, he looks to the left, and then down again, and then you know to make sure that like nobody's looking at him, like Eddie doesn't see that what he's doing. And then he slowly slips his hand into the, you know, in, into the uh, the counter in order to possibly take something. Now I wonder how many people. You know, on first viewing, we'll notice this type of thing. I, I obviously, I doubt I noticed it first viewing. This was something that I noticed much later on. You know, this is this to me was always on the same level as the. Uh, the bet between Carl and uh, and Theo.
1: Oh yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, of course. But, not, uh, not 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 for his viewing. I didn't notice.
0: Exactly. This, that's the thing. These no, are these are like this. that's one of the things I love about this movie. Is there's so many things going on in the background. You know, like we we talked about uh, earlier in this episode. You know, with with the the rose bushes and stuff like that. These are things that you don't notice and they just like jump out at you. You know, when you've seen this movie numerous times and yeah, stuff now, like that. Thing,
1: yeah, the thing the this with the candy. This I actually did notice. The first time I saw the movie and and this um this is actually the reason I requested this week of minutes was was Uli taking the candy yeah for sure I no, think, I, know you that. Know, th- I just like this is like in a movie that is filled with like lots of great humorous moments like the guy in the thorns, like the bet um this is my favorite all of them because like in this scene right now, he's basically all of us, like who else would who wouldn't do that? you're sitting there you're it's time to fights not just yet. There's all this candy in front of you. You know, even cold-blooded killers and thieves get hungry and get distracted. You know, That's And right. I think that one of the things this movie does much better than most movies and one of the reasons why it's such a popular movie is it humanizes the villains a lot. There's a lot of these little moments throughout the movie that really do humanize the villains. And this is one of those moments.
0: Yeah. And, and it's more than just humanizing the villains because it also, you know, the, the idea that, that John McLean is in in every man, you know, he's, he's not like a pumped up, he's not a pumped up action hero, at least not in this movie. Later on in in some of the subsequent movies that he gets more like that, but, but in this movie, he, he can be any of us or we can be him, you know, that type of thing. It's just your, your, your typical detective you know, stuck in a stuck in a uh, in a high rise and having to deal with with uh, terrorists. You know, but it's not like he's not superhuman, and that, right. that's and and that goes along with the same theme that uh, both the good guys and the bad guys are like that here. You know, which is which is great, and I think they do an amazing job of, of putting that uh, together here. But uh, so at this point, we, we get another shot of the limo. And we we finally see that it screeches to a halt completely in the middle of the parking lot. You know, like he just he's given up. (laughs) He's he's had enough. He's not not able to 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 deal at all with the fact that he's, you know, got nowhere to go. And it just stops right in the middle. And at this point, we once again get to see uh, outside the the SWAT guys. You know, we, we see them getting into position. And as they're about to get into position, that's when the minute ends.: So I mean, there isn't that much that happens in this minute, but obviously we had a lot to talk about.: <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the, the script?
1: Uh, just one um, adding to the humor of the scene of him looking up and down and, and making sure no one's watching him with the taking the candy bar, the music changes and has this great little funny. Little musical cue, yeah. When he finally makes the decision of yes, I am going to take a candy bar and eat it now, and again, just you know, a perfect touch of adding that just a few seconds of that like piano there, that little goofy piano, uh, enhancing the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I I did have that in my notes also. I I, I uh, forgot to mention that too. Yeah, no, the music in this in this whole minute, the, the music is great because there's so much going on. You know, there's so many cuts, and each time the music uh, either Sometimes it just flows through the various um, cuts, but sometimes it it keeps changing for each cut also, and they, they they do that really well, you know. It gives it gives more of a personality to the to, to the to, to the various scenes here and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Thank you for 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 mentioning that. So the 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 script of this scene. The truth is, nothing in this minute. Appears in the script. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. There's there's no uh, SWAT guys running through the the thorn bushes. There's no Uli and Eddie, you know, getting getting ready to shoot uh, or or preparing the way they prepare. They you know we'll we'll get to a point where they will prepare, but not the same way. But uh, so it's very interesting that this this must have been something that they decided on the spot. Let's add all of these uh, little scenes in here to show what's going on. Sure. I mean they, they they do a very nice job of that. So every Monday we have a uh, a segment called Die Hard on a Monday where my guests will give their top five diehard doppelganger movies. So what have you got for us, Eric? Start with number five and work your way up.
1: Oh okay uh well with number 5 uh I'm going to go with even though it's not uh, I I I was a little loose with the definition uh but still I think you'll see uh the common through the common through line. Uh number 5 uh I had to go with one of my own movies by minute shows that I co-hosted Escape from New York uh even though he's uh, in a whole city not in one building uh he Snake Plissken basically alone versus the entire Manhattan prison and it is a very there's a lot of claustrophobic uh scenes in that movie as well where he's inside buildings and he's captured so uh, I think it fits the definition okay great um number four um essentially any Liam Neeson movie made in the last 15 years where it's just him alone against you know fill in the blank group of evil people that has done something that he needs to for some reason only on his own can he fight them on
0: Okay, but if you were to pick one, what would that be? Because because Whoa. you know I, I give points to you know we're we're gonna go through this uh, at the end and uh, see who you know which which movies have the the, the most points. So uh,
1: let me go with uh, I'd have to look at the name, if, but there's one where he's like driving a snowcat and uh, he's got to fight a bunch of people and involves and like snow and he's like a snowcat driver or something like that. I'd have to look up the name of the
0: movie. Okay, all right, we'll 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 get back to that yeah. in a second then.
1: Uh, number three, I'm going to go with, um, before there was the MCU, when Marvel movies were made sporadically, uh, I'm to go with the Thomas Jane version of The Punisher. Uh, and I, I think it's a very underrated movie. Um, the A mob led by John Travolta kills an entire family, and so he goes on a quest of revenge and takes out the entire mob by himself. Uh, number two. I'm going with uh, what to me is the most Arnold Schwarzenegger movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Commando, where he goes to an unnamed island somewhere in Latin America and kills an entire army all by himself.
0: Yeah, I. I was it unnamed? Wasn't it Valverde?
1: Or maybe it was uh, Valverde. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, right. I should have said fictional, fictional uh, Latin American yes. island. Yes. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Yes. 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 Uh, and number one. Is not a movie. It is actually an episode of a TV show, Star Trek Next Generation episode called Starship Mine, where uh, Captain Picard is trapped alone on the Enterprise with a bunch of criminals. The entire rest of the crew is down on the planet. And one by one, Captain Picard has to take out the villains until the very end on his own. And it's even been referred to online as Die Hard on the Spaceship.
0: Yes. Now, I, I, I got to say, this is this is an episode that I had seen before. But one of my previous guests from one of the, uh, I think week four, he chose this as one of his movies, and I actually then went and rewatched it, and I can understand why it would be called Die Hard uh, on on a starship. There's absolutely no question about that. There's there's a reason for that. Now, are you were you referring to the Ice Road?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. The
0: Ice Road. It, it came out in 2021.
1: Oh no, no, then it's that it's an older movie. It's from a few years before that. Um it is called
0: Cold Pursuit. Okay. I I I'm assuming I've probably seen it because I've seen most of these type of movies. Ah, okay, Cold Pursuit. That was tw- 2019.
1: 2019,
0: yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I did see this. I actually liked it. <laughs> All right. All right. Excellent. Now, do you want to tell people how do they can get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Uh, so I co-hosted Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute. Those are both uh, on any podcatcher out there. If you want to binge them, they've both been finished for uh, a few years now. Uh, both still have Facebook pages. Both still have Twitter feeds. So you can certainly contact me through either one of those. I still check them.
0: All right, excellent. And finding me is very simple. All you have to do is a quick search for a "movie a minute." You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website. So, until tomorrow, yipikaye, yipikaye.